We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And welcome to the Monday edition of AFA at the Core. Fred Jackson sitting in for Walker Wildman today. Uh, happy to do so. On this, the start of another business week here after our share last week. And we just want to take the opportunity once again to thank you for your pledges uh, to American Family Radio. It means a lot to us. One of the things we enjoy doing share certainly is hearing the testimonies of how American Family Radio is blessing the lives of thousands of people across this country. And you responded big time during our three-day share last week. And once again, we just want to thank you for your continued support, for allowing us to do what we do each day here at American Family Radio. Uh, the middle word there is family, and you are part of us, and hopefully, and we are thankful that we are part of your family on a day-by-day basis. Well, we want to start off the program today uh, by expressing our condolences to the family of Texas Army National Guard Specialist Bishop E. Evans, 22 years old. Uh, the body of uh, Bishop Evans was found late this morning. He is the young Texas Army National Guard specialist who last Friday, I believe it was, dove into the waters of the Rio Grande to try to help two illegal immigrants who were struggling to make it across the river. And in doing so, he lost his own life. And it's just another example of the price that is being paid because of the Biden administration policies of encouraging hundreds of thousands, yea, millions, to enter this country illegally. The month of March alone, something like 230,000 making their way into the United States. Texas Army National Guard Specialist Bishop Evans was there. As you may be aware, the state of Texas is trying to do something that our federal government should be doing, and that's protecting our border. And that's why he was there. And he lost his life trying to do that. And by the way, Another important ingredient in this story, the two people he was attempting to help are now under arrest because authorities have determined that they are drug smugglers. So that's two that they catch. Dear knows how many thousands of drug smugglers. We heard the story in the last few weeks of at least 40 of those people crossing into the United States illegally are on the terrorism watch list. This is all because of a Joe Biden policy. And you may say, well, it's unfair to blame the president for all of this. I'm sorry. During the election campaign in 2020, he said, if I'm elected, I'm inviting a surge into this country, a surge. And, of course, one of the first things he did within hours of becoming president was stop building that wall. And now even many Democrats, they're even making election ads saying something must be done to stop this. Now, of course, they're politically motivated because they want to get elected in November. And they know how unpopular this is 
with the American people, what Joe Biden is doing there. So once again, hearts and prayers to the family of this young National Guard specialist, Bishop E. Evans, and it was very moving today as his body was removed from the river to see border guards, other National Guardsmen standing at attention, saluting the body of this young man. We hope this chaos will end soon. All right. Speaking of chaos, there's chaos in this country as the freedom of religion continues to be under attack. And probably the spotlight today, and and rightly so, is on a former football coach at Bremerton High School there in Washington State, just across the harbor from Seattle. His name is Joseph Kennedy. He was the coach of the high school football team. And what sin did he commit that got him fired from there? He went to the center of the field. After the game was over, he knelt and prayed. Didn't invite anybody to attend. Just he knelt and prayed. Kids wanted to join him. Uh, They could, but nobody was forced. But for that, he was fired. Joining me in studio right now is Chris Woodward, a reporter that's been covering this uh, Kennedy story for a long time now. Chris, it's it's been through all the appeals court, but mm-hmm. today it's being argued before the United States Supreme Court. That's right, yeah. It's been up and down the court uh, system for years, uh, even to the Supreme Court, to try to get them to take the case. They kicked it back down. Uh, and at some point in the last couple of years, the Ninth Circuit ruled in favor of the school district, saying they had a right to fire uh, Coach Kennedy because he was praying after games. And as you said, uh, kids did join him. But his attorneys uh, at First Liberty Institute have told us repeatedly throughout the years um, that no one was forced to, no one was told you have to pray like me, no one was told you have to pray to the same God as me, things like that. Uh, the other side uh, did tell the Associated Press in recent days that uh, should Kennedy win, it's going to cause this huge problem of people forcing their religion on others. Um but attorneys for First Liberty have told us that if he loses, then it's going to cause mass chaos uh, for public school employees throughout the country where no one uh, will be able to do anything involving, you know, an exhibition of their personal faith. You know, it's interesting. The uh, Kelly Shackelford is president, CEO and chief counsel to First Liberty. Mm-hmm. They released this statement this morning, banning a coach from praying just because he can be seen by the public is wrong and violates the Constitution. No American should be forced to choose between their faith and the job they love. We are hopeful the court will allow Coach Kennedy to once again do what he promised God he would do, Mm -hmm. kneel at the 50-yard line after a game in which he coaches to say a quiet, personal prayer of thanks. You know, it's very interesting. Banning a coach from praying just because he can be seen in public Others are saying that, too. He didn't force other kids to pray. Mm-hmm. He didn't even force other kids to listen to his prayer. Right. But the school district, from what I understand, Chris, is simply saying, well, others might be intimidated by him kneeling to, to pray. Right. Yeah, the AP did its you know usual APness, uh, trying to make him the bad guy here, and they played up the argument from the other side. Uh, There are people, um, so-called people of faith, uh, that have sided with uh, the unbelievers 
the and the atheists out there saying, you know, he shouldn't be doing this. It's going to force religion. And we have that age old argument about the so-called church and state stuff uh, there. And really, you know, as I mentioned, First Liberty has said if he loses, it's going to cause huge problems, which is why um, oftentimes when you hear stories on AFN, uh, you'll hear kind of that soundbite from whoever it is you know, whatever law firm it is, explaining to people why you should pay attention to something. I know a lot of our listeners uh, are not in Washington state and they think, well, you know, this doesn't really impact me. If the U.S. Supreme Court is hearing a case today Mm -hmm. and they make a decision at some point in the next few weeks, it's going to impact you. It's going to impact your neighbor. It's going to impact your friends. It's going to impact everybody you go to church with in some way because a Supreme Court case will set a precedent going forward, which is why a lot of former football coaches Uh, Even former members of Congress and current members of Congress have filed briefs in support of Coach Kennedy saying, look, he has the same First Amendment freedoms as everybody else in this country, and he should be awarded those freedoms. He shouldn't lose those just because he accepted a job as a public high school football coach. The interesting thing here, too, is, and I've wondered this for years, because this case has been going on for years. I've been here almost 12 years now, and this one's been going on for almost a decade. Mm -hmm. Uh, Joe Biden claims he's a man of faith, and I have no problem with that. Uh, But, you know, the Democratic National Convention spent an entire night during their convention in 2020 playing up Joe Biden being a man of faith and how he prays. Mm -hmm. And he's talked about prayer publicly. Why in the world does the chief executive of the United States, who is a government employee, get to live out his faith, but the public high school employee doesn't? Yeah. That is a huge double standard. And until the Supreme Court puts the kibosh on that, we're going to run into these problems. Well, going back to that statement that we were reading from Kelly Shackelford there about a public display of faith, someone was saying if Kennedy loses this case before the Supreme Court today, does that mean a worker cannot wear a cross? Because that is making a public statement yeah, some of people a have made that opinion. specific religion. Mm-hmm. Or uh, I guess you're not allowed to have a Bible on a desk, uh, even a student, yeah. because it's a public display. You know what? One of the things that bothers me about this, it always seems to be Christians that are in the crosshairs. Mm -hmm. I was telling somebody a few years ago, I was at the Dulles Airport, Washington area, and around noontime, uh, a lot of the cab drivers there are of the Muslim faith. They took carpets out of their taxis there at the airport, and they knelt down and they prayed on the sidewalk of what is a taxpayer-owned airport. So tell me, how? and I don't remember any stories of anybody challenging them, expressing their faith. I didn't have a problem with it. In fact, I thought, that what a great country. We allow other religions to do this. Right. But then you have a case like Coach Kennedy here, and they throw the book at him. Yeah, it's, I mean, again, his is one of many cases that I've covered, Charlie's covered, Chad's covered, Steve's covered, everybody here has covered, and then some. Um, And really, that's why we need a ruling to kind of put an end to this, because we're going to continue to see these problems uh, going forward. Something to give people a little bit of, you know, hope here, um, if you are wanting the Supreme Court to rule in favor of Coach Kennedy. It takes four of the nine justices to accept a case. Yes. You need five to get a ruling, Mm -hmm. one way or the other, assuming you have nine justices ruling. Uh, So you've got at least four people that agreed to take the case. You need one more vote. Uh, to rule in favor of Coach Kennedy. And so we're, uh, after today's argument, and I'm going to be talking with Mike Berry of First Liberty Institute later this afternoon, later this afternoon, Lord willing, um, 
So we'll get uh, you know his take on how the proceedings went, uh, what questions stood out to him, what questions from the other guys stood out to him, things of that nature. We'll continue to cover this throughout this afternoon and also uh, tomorrow on AFN. It's interesting. Last year, the same court unanimously sided with a Catholic foster care agency that said its religious views prevented it from working with same-sex couples. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of interesting. Uh, there, there may be a change in climate uh, on the court right now. Right. Certainly the liberal media is upset about that. So as you say, we'll wait and see. Probably there will be a decision before the end of this term oh, in yeah. June. Definitely there'll be an end, uh, a decision by the end of the term. I don't think they'll kick it back down because they've already kind of done that at this point. Um, right. But, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely get a decision by June, if not sooner. So some big decisions. And, of course, probably in June we're going to get the result of the uh, Mississippi uh, abortion law. Yes, that's the big one that everybody's watching because that could uh, allow some states at minimum to kind of set their own regulations when it comes to abortion. They could overturn Roe. Who knows? Yes. Uh, nobody has a crystal ball. One other case to be watching for tomorrow, and this uh, goes back to what you began the show talking about, the Supreme Court is scheduled to hear arguments tomorrow involving the so-called uh, Remain in Mexico policy. Right. That was the uh, thing that began under Trump that said, look, if you're coming here from Central America and you're seeking asylum, you got to remain in Mexico while we hear your case. You can't just come here and then disappear uh, until your case is heard, if it's even ever heard. So tomorrow the Supreme Court's going to hear arguments over that as well. So you have three really huge um, cases to watch, but definitely the Mississippi one and this one are the ones that are, I think, most on our radar. Very eventful times right now, <clears throat> and it hangs on that Supreme Court. And there have been, uh, since Trump's three nominees, mm -hmm. there have been a certain degree of optimism, but also some disappointments sometimes. Some of these nominees did not go the sure. way a lot of conservatives thought they would. And then you have John Roberts. And then you have John Roberts. And only the Lord knows right now how he is going to go on these cases. <laughs> Even he may be puzzled. Yes. All right. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank you. Appreciate uh, all that you do there at American Family Radio News. When we come back, hey, listen, you've heard many, many polls uh, over the years about what's going on in the Christian community, how young people often leave their faith. When they leave home, we are going to talk to a man whose name is recognized as polling in the Christian community, George Barna, right after the break. You're listening to AFA at the Core. We're back after the break. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Have you ever seen one of those track and field events where the runner starts out in blazing fashion, leading the pack for the majority of the race, only to stumble just before reaching the finish line? Starting the race well and running well are vitally important, but if we don't finish the race well, all else can be overthrown. The Apostle Paul penned those words, having fought the good fight, right on to the end as he faced imminent execution under Nero's sword. Let us all, brothers and sisters, set our courses to finish well. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Have you ever heard about common grace? This is the reality that God has some blessings for both those who love Him and those who reject Him. This can be super confusing for kids as they grow an understanding of God's complete sovereignty. Does your girl tend toward a worldview that God only blesses the righteous? It might be a gentle, healthy challenge to remind her that no matter who receives the blessing, our right response toward God is humble gratitude. Since we are not all-knowing, we pray for God to use His blessings of common grace to grow the kingdom of God here on earth in whatever way possible. If it gives an open door for us to introduce the lost to Christ Jesus, then we say, yes, Lord. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. You can learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. The communist government has spoken. There's no room for Christianity within the walls of China. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and the man named Katsu is an evangelical pastor, a little more than 50. He serves outside of Beijing. I won't identify his village. But I would guess he has been beaten in jail 25 times over the course of his ministry. Most recently, they beat him so severely he could not get up for a week. They let him go and told him to never speak of Jesus again. About a week later, a knock came on his door. He was somewhat reluctant to open it, but he found Hayo the bitter atheist interrogator who beat him terribly had one question that burned in his heart all week long. Why were you at such peace when we were beating you? So Katsu would open his door, open his Mandarin Bible, and lead this bitter atheist to faith in Christ together. They've witnessed thousands coming to Christ who all need Bibles in China. At $5 a Bible, would you call 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give at sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And indeed, back to AFA at the Core. Fred Jackson sitting in for Walker today on this Monday. Well, you know, uh, been here for about 25 years at American Family Radio, and uh, so many surveys down through the years have dealt with our young people coming from Christian homes, and something happens to them. Very often, it's the story about when they go off to university, uh, everything that they've been taught, they've heard from the pulpits of their churches, and something happens. Something goes awry. And Barna, uh, George Barna, Dr. George Barna, has, uh, I think I mentioned this before the break, it's almost synonymous uh, with surveys being done of the Christian community, of what's going on inside the Christian community. And uh, he's joining us on the line right now from, I'm assuming, Glendale, Arizona. Is that right, Dr. Barna? Yeah, I'm here at Arizona Christian University. Thanks for having me, Fred. Oh, great to have you. You're director there of the Cultural Research Center. All right, let's let's talk about this latest study. Uh, as I'm, I'm reading from the title here, Christian parents, inconsistent behaviors, sending mixed signals to confused kids. That's a very interesting title. Why don't you explain to us just an overall of what we're talking about in this survey? Well, Fred, one of the things that we do every year is measure the worldview of Americans. And in this year's survey, we're breaking out a couple of different groups This particular part of the survey is looking at parents of 
pre-teens, that is, kids under the age of 13. The second part, which we haven't released yet, we'll do that in a couple of months, is looking at the worldview of pastors of churches across the country. And so as we looked at parents, what we discovered is that only 2% of the parents of pre-teenagers in America have a biblical worldview which is important for a couple of reasons. Number one is you have to realize that everybody has a worldview. You need to have it to get through life because every decision that you make comes through that worldview. But the worldview itself develops starting at 15 to 18 months of age and is almost completely formed by the age of 13. Hmm. So that 12-year span or so in there is incredibly important. That will shape the rest of your life. And what do we know about the development of that worldview? Biblically, parents are called to be the ones who have the primary responsibility for shaping it. But we also know that you can't give what you don't have. And the fact that 98 out of every 100 parents of kids under the age of 13 do not have a biblical worldview means there's no way whether they go to church or not, whether they read the Bible or not, whether they think they have a biblical worldview or not, they don't have it, so they can't give it. And that means that that worldview vacuum is going to be filled by something else. All right. Uh, We're talking with Dr. George Barna. He's director at the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University. Now, um, as you say, you've been doing this survey, and Tell us what the ingredients are, and I've actually used your ingredients uh, for some teaching that I've done at at various churches when it comes to what defines a biblical worldview. There are six or seven ingredients there. Could you just briefly go through those? Well, we've actually, Fred, now refined that tool so that we're asking people a total of about uh, 50, I think it's 51 or 52 different questions about both beliefs and behavior. Hmm. to really understand, do they not only know the Bible, but are they applying the Bible as they make decisions from day to day? But as you say, there are some core elements that are very critical. You know, one of those would be, do people believe that there is absolute moral truth? Hmm. Uh, Most Americans say, no, there isn't. Well, the Bible clearly teaches that there is. God is the embodiment of it. He defines truth and he lays out his truth for us to implement in our lives in his word, the Bible. And so then secondly, you have to take a look at the Bible. What do you believe about that? Do you believe that it is God's word, that it's true and accurate and reliable? Once again, most Americans do not believe that, uh, but we know that it is true, so you have to be living according to that in harmony with that. You also have to take into account thoughts about sin and salvation, the implications of sin. And so we have questions that look at those arenas as well. And we know that most Americans not only don't really believe in sin, or if they do, they don't believe that sin is that critical in their life. As we've been doing these studies, I've been doing them for more than 40 years, looking at what people think will happen to them after they die. Only 2% of Americans believe that they'll go to hell. And yet, only about Uh, 28 to 30 percent of Americans believe that they will live in God's presence for eternity, but only because they've confessed their sins and accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. 
That means you got about seven out of ten Americans who have some other wild ideas about what's going to happen. They've earned uh, the right to be in heaven. There is no such thing as heaven. You die and that's it. You'll be reincarnated. There are all these other options. So these are the kinds of things that we look at in the survey, trying to figure out how are people making sense of life and therefore living their life in accordance with those points of view. What's interesting, I thought, too, one of the interesting points here is that many of these parents who you're describing who do not have this biblical worldview would consider themselves Christians. So these are startling figures that you come up with, these low percentages uh, who actually believe these, what I would call, basic ingredients of Christianity. So what has happened? Uh, what what has gone wrong inside even this nominal Christian community across America? Well, there are a lot of different things that are happening. It's a very dynamic situation. But realize that most parents today have a subcontracting philosophy about parenting. They want to be a good parent, but they're really busy. They don't quite know what's going to be best for their child. So what they've done instead is they've said, I'll do the best thing I think I can do for them, which is get experts and surround my child with experts. And so they'll hire tutors. They'll put them in the presence of coaches. They'll have youth pastors. They'll send them to schools. They'll do all kinds of things where they're bringing in outsiders to do what essentially is the parenting function. And so what's happening is our children are being influenced by people who have no idea what a biblical worldview is. And instead, they're being indoctrinated into a lot of other worldviews. There are seven or eight other worldviews that are commonly taught in America, not just by these experts, but the biggest influence of all on our children is media arts and entertainment media, news and information media. And so our children are being exposed to Marxism, secular humanism, postmodernism, Eastern mysticism, all kinds of alternatives. And to the child, they're just trying to figure out how to make sense of life. And they're looking at the role models around them. They're looking at the experiences they have and what's happened as a result of that. And without a godly parent coming alongside their children, and giving them constant instruction, constant feedback, constant accountability to help those children figure out God's ways rather than the ways of the world. The world is winning over our children. And the problem is, our research has shown that when that worldview gets developed by the age of 13, most Americans literally die with essentially the same worldview they had at the age of 13. They'll figure out how to articulate it better. They'll refine it a bit. You know, and I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit can't come in and radically change somebody. That happens. But on average, most Americans have their worldview in place by the age of 13. It doesn't change during their adult years, and consequently, they don't follow God's ways. You know, in the press release I'm I'm reading uh, from your from your organization, there you say this in essence. They're referring to parents talking the talk, but not walking the walk. And it's sending quite the mixed signal to preteens who are understandably confused. The kids are smart, and as they watch and listen to their parents, they are experiencing contradictions between what their parents say they believe and what they do. 
that's every bit as concerning as the fact that 49 out of every 50 preteen parents do not have a biblical worldview to share with their family to begin with. So I, I, I think, to put it bluntly, you're seeing a high degree of hypocrisy between a parent who says, this is what you should do, Johnny, and but then the parent goes out and does exactly the opposite. Well, that's that's exactly right, Fred. And, you know, part of the issue here is that even when we expose our children to Bible stories, we're not thinking about now how do we draw out the principles from those stories and help the kids connect the dots. How does all of this work? How does our belief in God impact how we use our money? How does our belief in Jesus Christ impact the kind of relationships that we develop with other people? All of these things are connected, and God shows us how in His Word. But we don't do a very good job with our children connecting those dots. And so part of what happens is that a worldview gets caught more than it's even taught. And as our children are watching their parents, they're trying to pick up clues about how does it work? Let me watch the person that I I probably trust more than anyone else in my life, my mother, my father. And yet the problem is they see these contradictions, this hypocrisy in the lives of their parents, and the conclusion that they come to is my parents have said Christianity is the way to go, but then I see them living in what appear to be or sound like non-Christian ways. And so they come to believe that Christianity itself is contradictory. It's confusing. It's not practical and pragmatic. And so that, that bad witness pushes many kids back to the movies, back to songs that they listen to, back to the video games they're playing, all the different media that's influencing them. And the kids go back on that journey of discovery, trying to figure out, well, what have other people my age figured out? And that's a bad route to be going down. And I suppose if you combine that, the problems in the home environment with when uh, the kids get to their schools and then universities and, and our schools and our universities are just uh, just boiling over with things that are anti-Christian. We do stories on this every day. Uh, we just, we've just been doing the stories of what has happened down in Florida where the governor had to step in to stop the teaching of sexual matters to kids in kindergarten. And we saw the outrage in the media over that. Yeah, and you know, Fred, when we look at our research about what are the greatest influences on young children as they're developing that worldview, it is family and it is uh, the media, media more than anything. But as you suggest, schools have a dramatic impact and so do the friends, the peers of these children. So you put those four elements together, and of course media has many different facets, different platforms that are out there to convey information and to uh, you know, encourage particular behaviors. You put those together, and if you don't have any in that mix that not only possess the biblical worldview, but are demonstrating it in action, the chances of children developing a biblical worldview are really, really small. Dr. George Barna, what do you say to parents, let's say they have kids five, six, and seven years old, they're listening right now. What do they have to do to try to turn this around? They still have an opportunity when the kids are that young. 
Well, the first thing they've got to do is get their own worldview right, and that's not an easy task. As I say, once you're an adult, it's pretty much embedded in who you are, and you're living in accordance with it. So the first thing really is to do kind of a ruthless self-evaluation where you're taking a look at what do I really believe, how do I really behave? If I were to die right now, would Jesus look at me and say, well done, good and faithful servant? Or would he be more likely to say, what were you thinking? And so to go back to basic scriptural foundational principles and determine, is this evident in my life? Second thing to do is to, is to develop a relationship of trust with your children where they have reason to believe you've got something of value to give to them. And then thirdly, embed yourself in their life, really invest in their life. Feel a sense of urgency about this, because this is the single most important thing you're ever going to produce in your life. God gave you the privilege of having those children, but the job didn't end once they were born. The most important job really is to train them up to know God, to love God, to serve God with all their heart, mind, strength, and soul, and to help them in doing that every day of their lives. So, you know, go back to the basic biblical principles and think through how are these principles being introduced into the lives of my children? Take a look at the media that they're exposed to. Take a look at the friends that they're hanging out with. Take a look at what's being taught in the classrooms where they're spending so much time week after week, year after year. And, uh, you know, take a, a strong look at what's happening in the household. Is this really a place where God is known and loved and thanked and worshipped? And is the child participating in that? Dr. Barna, uh, where can people go if they want to get more information on this study? All of the, uh, the reports that we put out from this research are available for free. You can download it at culturalresearchcenter.com. And I'm anxious to get part two of all of this. You say that's going to be involving the involvement of pastors in the lives of young people. Is that correct? Uh, no, it's just looking at the worldview of pastors overall. Uh, uh, look at five different types of pastors and churches across the country. And I'll tell you, Fred, it's an eye-opener. All right, Dr. George Barnett, thank you so much, as always. Thank you, Fred. Great to be with you. All right, take care. 888-589-8840. 888-589-8840. like to hear from you right now. Where do you stand on this issue? How are you addressing it in your home? 888-589-8840. We'll talk to you when we come back. Can we trust the Bible? He says, we saw this. And that sets the Bible apart from almost everything else in the ancient world and its religious pantheon of gods and goddesses. The God Who Speaks. The important documentary from the American Family Association is now available to watch for free on AFA's brand new streaming platform. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to watch this award-winning film today. Thegodwhospeaks.org. Dear One Million Moms, I've always thought that maybe your organization was making a mountain out of a molehill. But today, I cannot believe what I just saw on my TV. Concerned about the trash flowing into your home through today's media that simply will not censor itself? Make your voice heard. If you see trash in the media, tell us. 
Use the Submit Trash button at 1millionmoms.com. That's 1millionmoms.com. And thanks. The Ministry of Preborn is the ultimate life support, helping moms in crisis choose life. I definitely would have gone down the wrong road and probably would not have given my son life if they had not been there to support me. From giving me the ultrasound to throwing a baby shower, and they went out and they got churches to cover my bills. They helped me through so much. It was just incredible. Preborn centers are the ultimate life support for moms in crisis across America, providing hope, love, and free ultrasounds. He's 10 and he's my little angel. Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in the United States. Would you join with Preborn in rescuing babies? One ultrasound is just $28, or five ultrasounds are $140. All gifts are tax deductible. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby. Or go to preborn.com. We're now confirmed dead in this latest violent attack. Abortion continues to be a hot button issue. Man, it seems like the news gets worse every day. I can't even watch it. There's just nothing but bad news. You want some good news? Jesus loves you. Yeah, right. What does that mean? It means Jesus, who was actually God in human form, suffered and died to pay the penalty for sinners like you and me. He took the blame for all the sin in the world and then suffered and died so that we wouldn't have to be punished. So what? I'm not a sinner. (laughs) Actually, we're all sinners. But God says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we'll be saved. That sounds like good news. Is it true? Here, let me show you in the Bible. Share the good news today. A reminder from American Family Radio. AFA at the Core podcasts are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. And indeed, we are back. Fred Jackson sitting in for a walker today. Always enjoy hearing from Dr. George Barna. He's just got so much insight. He's been doing this for so long. As I said, I've I've had the opportunity through the years to teach some worldview courses. And that's one of the the lessons that we kind of focus on are those ingredients of of a Christian worldview. And one of them is the exclusivity of the gospel that Jesus is the only way of salvation. And it would shock you folks and continues to shock me because Barna does these kind of surveys every several years, how the percentages increase of people who say they are Christians but no longer believe, for example, that Jesus is the only way of salvation. They no longer believe that hell is a real place. Uh, They no longer believe believe, as I say, in the exclusivity of the gospel, that there are many ways to heaven, that they can get along just fine without reading God's Word. So it's something that has happened out there. And, you know, to go back to what the Bible says, you know, we reap what we sow. And if we sow neglect into our Bible reading with our kids at home, with making uh going to church a priority, forget not the assembling of yourselves together, Um, if you say that, gee, God owns all the money in my wallet, but, you know, your offerings each year add up to $100 over a year, uh, then 
your kids, as George Barnum was pointing, your kids are seeing this. And they're saying, well, you know, daddy and mommy say this, but daddy and mommy act this way. Uh, so that inconsistency is there. But as Dr. Barnum was saying, there's so many influences today. When I was growing up decades ago, we did not have social media, for example, which our kids, quite frankly, live on today. Um, a kid, when you see a kid coming along today, they usually have a cell phone and they're on social media. Their worlds, their world consists of who's inside that social media platform that they're looking at. And uh, they're going to fill their heads with ideas coming from those people, from the entertainment world. Uh, so they're, it's tougher to be a parent today. And you may be one of those parents out there just tearing your hair out. What am I supposed to do? And it's it just takes that kind of dedication. But first and foremost, you need God's help to do it. And that's why you have to pray consistently. God, give me wisdom in this day and age about how I'm to approach this and then to be consistent and live it yourself. All right. Let's go to uh, Devin in Texas. Good afternoon, Devin. Go ahead. Good afternoon. God bless. I'm glad that you touched on the fact that our kids are walking around with the screens in front of them. And uh, I made mention to the guy to answer the phone. It's it's not necessarily the screens. It's We have to screen what our kids are watching because they hope that we would just put the screens in front of them and let our kids run amok and see whatever they want, us, want them to see. So we have to screen that because uh, I've been noticing certain things that my little girl watched, things that I thought was okay or what should be appropriate or a few episodes are appropriate. And then you find out that they're really not teaching what they're supposed to be teaching. So I uh, just wanted to make that comment. And another one I wanted to make comment, I'm trying to figure out where the CPS is, is, is with all this stuff going on like in Florida um, and teaching kids about gender at such an early age. Um, like me and my wife are married. We have a little girl. If we had a son right now, we would have to expand and get a bigger house uh, in order for my son and daughter not to share rooms after a certain age because of gender, you know, differences between the two. Mm-hmm. So at what point did we that go get thrown out of the window and we could start teaching that at a school? You know, we can't do it in the household because of, you know, the problem between the difference of gender. So I'm trying to figure out where the CPS is and all this. Wouldn't yep. that become okay? Yeah, well, I'll I tell you what, uh, the world has changed. And it used to be, and again, I grew up many, many years ago <laughs> when I was in public, uh, public school. But what I do remember from my public school days is that the values of my parents were reflected in the public school. That's the huge difference today. I mean, I was looking at the uh, head of the... Uh, story from the head of the Teachers Federation, the American Federation of Teachers President, Randy Weingarten. Uh, She said the legislation, similar to Florida's recent parental rights bill, she's warning it may have dire consequences. And let us remind you once again, this was a Parents Protection Act that protects little five and six and seven-year-olds from being exposed without the parents' permission to all kinds of teaching on sexual deviancy, a five-year-old. And, of course, the mainstream media keeps dubbing it, even today when they're talking about this, as the don't say gay law. Well, that, that's not the name of the law at all. That's not what this is about. It's about protecting kids at that very vulnerable age from K, K 
kindergarten through grade three. So that's the difference. That's the difference today is that you have an education system that basically wants to change the value system of those little kids that they've seen and experienced at home. And you have people today like the head of the Teachers Federation, Randy Weingarten, who basically says the school should have the right to instill values into that child and not the parent. We saw what happened in Virginia last year with basically school districts saying, no, we have a right. We have a right to expose your kids to books, to expose your kids to teaching, and you, parent, don't have the right to know. So that's the huge difference right there. And that's why we're seeing, that's why we saw the results of the Virginia election last year. It all became about schools, folks. That election last year was about schools because the stories were all about parents being told, we're not going to tell you what your kid is being exposed to. And I think that's going to be repeated across the country come November. All right, Devin, thanks for your call. Appreciate it. Uh, Jason in Texas. Good afternoon, sir. Go ahead. Hi, Brother Jackson. God bless you, Brother. Uh, I just wanted to ask y'all, if y'all, I haven't heard anybody talk about it, but my mom's neighbor is a school teacher, and she said they literally have, like, 25, 26-year-old immigrants that are saying they're 17, 18 years old going to their school with a full facial of hair, and she can look at these guys and tell that they're grown adults. Have you heard anything about that? So these are older teenagers who are in classes with younger kids? Is that what you're saying? Correct. Like, they have no ID because they're illegal aliens. So they just come over here and they say they're 16, 17, 18 oh, years old. Right. They put them in these high schools with these young kids. Yeah. So you can tell they're 25, 26. Yeah. Because they got a full facial hair and you can look in their face and tell that they're older men. Yeah. Well, this is what happens, uh, Jason. I appreciate your remarks. This is what happens when you have a president, when you have an administration right now, uh, that it's not doing his duty uh, to protect our country. Uh, we have, I don't know of any other country right now in the world, and I come from Canada originally, I don't know of any other country in the world that's allowing its border to be as open as this one right now. And it's very deliberate, it's not an accident. The Biden administration wants millions of people pouring into this country. And that's why you have Democrats who represent districts along the border that are just crying out against their own administration. Do something to stop this. You know, you often see on the other major networks, they try to do profiles. These are just people that want a better life, et cetera, et cetera. And I don't blame people for wanting a better life. But a country is only strong, as strong as its laws and what it enforces. And we're seeing a breakdown in that in so many areas across the country. But that's interesting, uh, the caller's remarks about these probably at least older teens showing up in grade 6, grade 7, grade 8 classes, something like that can't speak English. I mean, I feel for teachers today and school districts, these are Biden administration policies that are being imposed on the system. And it's not just border states. It's right across the country. But that's what happens when there's dereliction of duty.
Mary in Texas. Go ahead to Mary. Thank you for taking my call today. Um, my comment is about kids in church, and it pertains to school, too, but um, the children we raised in the 60s and 70s in church, they sit on the pew or they slept under the pew. They went to a Sunday school class, and they came back into the sanctuary. They sat through morning worship and the preaching. Well, today they have separate, what do you call it, children's church. Mm. And they're not there to the atmosphere of worship and respect. I mean, they go off to children's church. They do have lessons, but they're entertaining them. And the one problem in our society today is cell phones. So many kids are allowed to play games during service on their parents' phones or notebooks. And I think it's so disrespectful. And so what what is instilled in that kid, you know, to honor God and there's a a price to pay, and our our churches are paying the price. What, when the young people are all they're doing is being entertained, mm. and not you know instructed and equipped to face the future. And I know my healthcare worker, his mom was 20 years teaching in the Texas school system. She quit two years ago because she said they're indoctrinating the kids and she's staying home and teaching her grandkids. And I honestly think that's what society's come to now and you got to pull them out of public. Thank you. All right, Mary, thank you very much. Boy, we could do a whole program on that one about the debate. And I know there are debates going on in churches today over this issue. And I know what Mary's talking about because I've heard others make the remark about what happened to the day when uh, there was a Sunday school, but then the kids went into the main service. And guess what? They were expected to uh, behave themselves for that hour. And if they didn't, you saw mommy or daddy pick that little boy or girl up and walk outside the church. And you know they weren't going to the ice cream store. Uh, There was some discipline being applied uh, uh, to the seat of authority. And uh, that's what was going on. Uh, at least that was in my day. Guys, was it happening in your days? Yeah, Marty. And um, uh, Yeah, spankings occurred. Uh, and that's uh, discipline was applied. And uh, I know when, when you bring this subject up, there are all kinds of folks that are going to debate with you now, now, now. You know, we have to... We're still getting those lessons in there, but as our caller said, when do they learn discipline? And looking at cell phones during a church service, that that should be an immediate no. Uh, not happening. If mom or dad has to confiscate that phone to keep them away from little Johnny or Jay, that needs to be done. All right, got time for one more call? All right, let's go. Uh, boy, we're hearing from Texas today. Aurora, go ahead. Aurora, am I pronouncing that right? Yes, sir. Yes, yeah. sir. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just concerned more on the uh, the leadership um, promoting these um, this, um, uh, sensual things nowadays. I uh, think uh, I would say um, I would question the poor judgment 
on the part of our president and other other leftist mm-hmm. people, uh, even though they look wise and smart and want to appear wise and smart, but uh, I would I would use the word uh, poor judgment because people with dementia or um, mental deficits can uh, use poor judgment in all the things that we are uh, having controversies about nowadays. Yes. Well, I, I tell you what, elections have consequences. I appreciate your, your comments. As my boss has often said, Tim, um, you know, elections do have consequences, folks. And when you bring people into the fold uh, that have a particular, go back to George Barna's description of worldview, uh, then they're going to impose on that. And that's why it's so important. Uh, that you get a hold of good voter guides, like the one the American Family Association offers, that you get a hold of those voter guides and find out where these candidates stand. We have elections coming up in just a few months. We have primaries even before that. Find out where the candidate stands on these important issues. Where they are, where are they on the pro-life issue? Where are they on the education issue? Maybe God is leading you to run uh, for a school board to make a difference. And uh, I think we're at that stage where those kinds of decisions have to be made. Hey, listen, it's been great to be with you today. Once again, I want to thank you for supporting us during our share last week. Uh, it allows us to do programs like you heard today to get the biblical worldview out on these issues. Fred sitting in for Walker, and uh, we got more great programming ahead here on American Family Radio. Don't go away. And as I often say at the end of a program, make sure you're a blessing to someone today. Bye for now. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.